podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Are you sure that's a normal poo? It doesn't smell like normal poo. <laughs> right. Dancing in the moonlight. Oh, God's sake. Hello. So it's all on fire. After a double game week where many captaining a defender from the team in 17th place surprisingly ended up in failure, uh, we're here to pick over the wreckage and think about what this means in the run-up to double game week 35. I'm joined today by Nick, as always. Uh, just the two of us, mate. You all right? Yeah, not bad, thanks. The old dude brothers are back again to digest another game week <laughs> gone where many of us wild-carded for better or for worse. Just to say quickly, of course, we are Who Got The Assist. You can find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL. New Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you'd like to listen and subscribe. So, yeah, so what are we going to be talking about then? Uh, it's all about price and value today as we examine how price maybe isn't, isn't something we should care so much about anymore to reach the tail end of the season. Um, and maybe we should be focusing a bit more on the value of player offers. Also be thinking about uh, the double game week coming up. Things like Troy Deeney being sent off, things like Knockett being sent off as well mean that there's maybe some spaces for free transfers maybe some space for hits going on uh, so we'll be trying to identify a couple of gems um for that ahead of the uh the big double game week i suppose towards the end of the season sounds good tom so yeah on the subject of troy Deeney, like a trojan horse he tore a hole into my team which which brings us on to the game week reviews and uh so i've got like a bit of a small green arrow um from the record which i guess is okay 54 points and um, so the main guys actually that really did well for me are the ones I kept rather than the ones I brought in so um hanging on to Pogba was like a really good decision it seems with his brace of penalties perhaps a bit lucky with that but 15 points you can't complain at all um, and Sterling also getting a brace of 14 points really really important points for my FPL team especially um considering the, the Brighton the uh, Double Duffy and Ryan getting one point apiece in my team. I actually captained Son though, um, and at the time when I saw he wasn't playing, I was fuming. And then it came on, I was like, "Oh no!" You know, one point imminent. And then he he got a last minute assist, which actually meant he um, quadrupled the score of Duffy. So it all, all came good in the end with him. But um, a couple of my other punts failed. Gilfie Sigerson two pointers. Everton were absolutely terrible against Fulham, unfortunately. And also had um, no Kalasanach and Lacazette turn up, which was a bit of a disaster to be honest, especially going into the double game week. These few concerns there. But it meant that Robertson came off the bench for six points. Yay! Mm-hmm. And Troy Deeney came off the bench for minus two points. Yay! <laughs> a little bit disappointing for me, I guess. But, you know, I'm sure a lot of our uh, listeners feeling a little bit downhearted but i'm not going to to moan too much thank you centuries of emotional repression it's not been good for for many people and i think that's been reflected in the conversations people have been having i mean look it was the uh the, the perfect scenario i think for a uh, a duffy captaincy uh, even though after the fact it looks a bit ridiculous just because i think harry kane was going to be everybody's captain and i think after his injury i, I it clearly became a case of okay, who's looking like they've got decent fixtures and who's looking like they can perform. And Duffy's and Brighton's home form was pretty good. 
was a decent enough chance of a clean sheet or a decent enough chance of some sort of like he was far and away better than Dunk and he was second for attempts over the course of the season. So uh, Duffy captaincy did kind of make sense and you kind of hope to get lucky, but it, it didn't it didn't work out at all. I mean, most people who had Duffy and Ryan to some extent, I mean, you're looking at two points or three if you captained and I was one of those poor people who did that. So yeah, I've... Uh, actually fallen a few thousand places not very far but i've fallen a little bit because of the uh the captaincy ended up with uh, 60 minus four uh the likes of as you said pogba keeping him Mane keeping him and sterling bringing him in very very useful that was the engine room of my returns this week but ericsson i think that he hit the post at one point and that would have been very very useful if i had gone in only an assist and overall yeah i mean only robertson who you got off the bench of course uh, did anything and I think that lacquer and uh cola uh benching really didn't really help me very much because I think a lot of people did get you know points from Fraser or Wilson or something like that off the bench so yeah I fell a little bit this week which was a bit annoying because I'd been on I'd uh, kind of arrested a decline somewhat so hoping that the double game week works out a little bit better Okay, let's move on to the first key talking point this week uh which is about points per value I guess We've both been noticing towards the end of uh, the wildcard week, especially when, when Kane was injured as well, people were beginning to kind of think, oh, what do I do with all this money? And uh, like Kane not being in the equation, Salah not being in the equation, I mean, a lot of folk were kind of thinking, well, what do I do with it? And a lot of people were kind of, uh, you know, topping up with players that you were like, oh, is that really worth it? You know, buying Lukaku over Rashford just to waste money. And yeah, the the time for trade for chasing rise is pretty much over, isn't it? I I guess that maybe we're thinking that that value uh, rather than price is what's really important. By value, we mean the player's points potential over the course of the season, rather than the price of the player. So something like a, a Jimenez being better value than Lukaku. And I guess that that's been something that we've been all over since the beginning, Nick. And I remember in the start of the season, you were saying vendors, for example. Uh, being great value, and we've seen that as well from the, uh, the from the data that we've we've looked at this week that the defenders have really been the best value picks, especially those Liverpool um, free defenders, uh, Roberts and Van Dijk and Trent Alexander Arnold, all within the top four best value picks of the season. So basically, our, our calculation for points per value goes against the, their current price divided by the, their non-appearance points. So taking away the appearance points, we're only looking at their sort of attacking returns or their clean sheets, if they are a defender or save points, um, that sort of thing. Even sort of taking away those appearance points, the defenders have still come out top in terms of points of value. So Robertson, for instance, 118 points, um, excluding appearance points. The price of 6.9 has created a points per value metric of 17.1. And if you were actually to take this sort of starting value of um, 6.0, it would be even higher. And it's the same with the likes of Van Dyke and Trent Alexander-Arnold. Really, really good value picks. And I think it's the same as well across the whole board. There's other defenders out there. Surprisingly, the likes of David Luiz, Alonso, Luca Dean and Laporte all appearing in the top 20 best value picks of the season. If you continue to look at it, like you've got players like Laporte. We both looked at his price at the start of the season, didn't we? Before the podcast actually went online. And we were both, we were both shocked that he was 5.5 at the start of the season. It just shows how, as the season progresses, you just lose all vestige of the beginning of the season. Because like with, with Laporte, like you just assume that he was always going to be an ever-present throughout the course of this year. And actually, the case is that, no, he wasn't. And he kind of got there through the fact of 
that, that he was quite consistent. I mean, he's uh, only 18th in the price per value metric, but at the end of the day, he still provides a fantastic value compared to that initial price and compared to that price now. But the point of doing this, I suppose, is looking at things like if they're supposed to bring in over the course of the remainder of the season, that value is perhaps more important now than price. We've got all this money to spend. Maybe if you're buying a Salah back in in uh, game week 36, then that would be a little bit different. But equally, I look at the numbers that we've got in front of us and think actually the value lies elsewhere. And maybe you know someone like Jimenez is a very good example of somebody who provides great value compared to their price. In business, Tom, you learn that every man has his price and it's it's the same with FPL. And you look at some of the prices and you saw it as well with the likes of Murata before we left Chelsea, the likes of Lukaku. And you think these guys are so ridiculously expensive. Why would you ever consider them in your team when you've got these these better value picks out there uh, with Jimenez and, and the like? And, and it's actually the same as well with Mo Salah and Harry Kane. Those guys were obviously really really good last season as they competed for the golden boot but they've dropped off a little bit in form this season alongside their price hikes and and Kane's actually the 71st best value player in FPL which is really low down got the likes of James Milner and and Bamba from Cardiff and even Seamus Coleman somehow appearing as better value picks in FPL this season that's a really bold statement really big statement to to show that you know a lot of people would have picked Harry Kane in their FPL teams and considered him a must-have and they'd look at his price and say he's a must-have because of because of how much he costs to a certain extent and we have to kind of ignore that cost and actually has that price hike now meant that they're not a good value pick and there are better value picks out there and I did a little um, analysis actually from what we talked about last season and last season we were talking quite heavily about Pascal Gross and uh, Mo Salah who were both really really good value picks last season I think Salah started at nine Gross started at 5.5 and they were in the top 10 best value picks for this season but this year Gross is down at 189th and Salah is at 28th and at the beginning of the season we were like heavily touting these guys in our FPL teams saying we're potentially going to have both in that midfield but at that same price of Salah and Gross, you could have actually had Mane and Hazard. And in, in hindsight, I am willing to sort of admit that perhaps I had a little bit of the blinkers on when it came to Salah. And, you know, Mane really has stepped it up a gear. And having Mane and Hazard now sounds like a much better pick compared to Salah and Gross in your midfield. It's just the way the season often tends to pan out. In contrast, where Salah is down 28th, Mane's in 14th because obviously he's, he's only worth 10.1, I think it is now. And uh, his price per value is a lot better. And I think we, we've spoken about this a few times, haven't we, in terms of... Obviously, it's very useful to think about the stats. So we love the stats here. Uh, we look at the stats and we try to understand how the stats will feed into ongoing performance. So, you know, we give an analysis and say, OK, this guy's looking very good. This might be worth considering. However, there's also the game dimension with FPL. And I think looking at the price per value of each player is really, really important because... You can see straight away that Mane is more than worth the price per value that Salah provides. The moderating factors are the ownership and the captaincy. So in game we first six, for example, and everyone's going to be maybe looking at a Liverpool captain for Huddersfield. Salah, that he's about 1% more owned than, uh, than Mane. You may well see a lot of people kind of pivoting towards having Sadio Mane as the captain, having that three million at least to invest elsewhere in their squads and that's what's important about looking at the value of players, especially at this point, because, I mean, on wildcards, we were probably looking at Mane over Salah. 
I think maybe now and towards game week 36 and you know, there's the Cardiff game in 35 and Liverpool have got a very good end to the season. Like Mane should more than cover that and you should be able to then spend the money elsewhere because the value has been the defence of Liverpool. A really good, important point to make is whilst I've sort of, sort of denigrated those premium players, Salah and Kane, and said they're not as good value as other players, so perhaps you shouldn't be having in them in your team that captaincy factor really is a and that ownership factor as well really needs to be taken into consideration you know these are players that you would captain and some of the other value picks perhaps you wouldn't maybe that's um you know us again having the blinkers on perhaps we you could make a case that the likes of Jimenez should be considered as a captaincy option in the double game week but I don't know I think still think there are some other options out there so 36 when Liverpool play Huddersfield, I am still heavily considering bringing in Mo Salah because I've got that triple captain chip to use, even though potentially I could go with just Mane and avoid a hit. You lure Salah against Huddersfield and having that triple captain on him still attracting me towards him. Doesn't that get to the point of this though, which is just like, well, all right, the price tag and the past performances is something that's leading you towards that feeling that you're going to be safe on it. But surely the performance over the course of the season shows the fact that actually you're probably okay with going with Mane and having that extra money to spend. I don't know. I, I just obviously know what Salah was like last season. He was absolutely brilliant. I'm not sure that we've ever seen Mane score more than a brace, three braces this season, but he's never quite got the hat-trick. I feel like Salah has, has the more potential to, for that really, really massive explosive return in that game, which is why I'm, I'm, I'm still attracted to bringing him in, even if it does mean that there's a hit required. Though I'm not saying that I'm not going to go without Mane. I'm, I'm actually thinking about loading up with both of them hang on let me let me um let me terms up this then ergonomic keyboard i'm sure i can get there i mean you, you'd be maybe be saying that with salah it's like him being away at fulham in game week 31 where he where he blanks and uh mane scored the assist and the goal like okay well over christmas for example obviously he was a must-have but equally i guess the more i think about it having that three million to spend and being able to pack in more players like your Robertsons, like your Sterlings, like your Sons, probably is a bit better than having Salah in and I don't know, having a subpar uh, choice. Surely that kind of makes you wonder. I mean, with this week, it's all about sort of utilising your budget because I'm going to be bench boosting. So I've, I've tried to put together a squad of 15 really strong players. After the bench boost week, I can afford to downgrade a few players. For instance, I've got sort of three mid-price strikers, then I've got five, you know, premium midfielders. So by downgrading one midfield to a sort of a Callum Hudson Adoy type figure who can sit on the bench, it does give me that flexibility to get Mane and Salah in. And sure, I can't have Ericsson in there as well, and I might have to sell Sterling. But for me, I think it still makes sense. Um, in terms of my strategy and I think you know this is the end of the season's coming up but I would like to to have Salah in for those final few weeks even though as you said there are perhaps better value picks out there even though that's the case because Salah is Salah you know he's he's 28 he's he's not he's not low down in terms of the value picks and if I'm going to be triple captaining a player in terms of the points minus appearances he's second only to Eden Hazard so he is going to be the man that gets the most points out of all the players Still got Sadio Mane in fourth for that metric, and you've got him with half of Salah's rank in terms of the other metric as well. 
And there's a very good question from Neil Baxter about this, actually, who asked, uh, with transfers getting so limited from now to the end of the season, which teams and players uh, from those teams that are showing form have the fixtures are worthy of being transferred in? I think he kind of read our minds, didn't he, in terms of today's, because at the end of the day, I guess it is about making sure you've got that kind of value and the changes you're making if we're assuming that money is no object. I mean, maybe it's a bit different if we're buying Salah, but there are a few players in that kind of top 20 that maybe you should be considering, right? The likes of, you know, uh, Ryan Fraser still making uh, 20th because of 13.4 points per value isn't to be sniffed at is it given the price that they are at the moment Bournemouth have been a team that have been really good value all, all season we've seen it from Fraser we've seen it from Wilson we've seen it from Brooks and you know from looking at sort of the date and the underlying stats those guys have been brilliant I mean Fraser's right up there, you know, competing with the likes of Eden Hazard for chances created, for big chances created. He's leading the metric. He, um, Him and uh, Wilson have been combining brilliantly and uh, much to our dismay, as, as many of us old form of players, I sold Brooks, I think you sold Fraser, um, we're not alone, um, as they drubbed Brighton 5-0. That was a strange one, wasn't it? Because I think that it wasn't like a big kind of variance, I guess, like an extreme outcome. Like you wouldn't have expected that, I suppose, um, from that kind of fixture. But I, I can see why people are a bit annoyed, I suppose, that people um suggesting that, I think I'm I'm not blameless in this, but suggesting that uh, Duffy would be a good captain because like, it just seemed like they both kind of turned it on, didn't they? And, and it kind of came out of nowhere to some extent. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, the previous week you saw that, Bournemouth actually played quite poorly uh, for the second time running against Burnley, where they lost 3-1 and previously in the season, uh, Burnley had beaten Bournemouth 4-0. So we know that, you know, Bournemouth can have their bad games and their good games. They, they certainly seem one of those teams that sort of vary and, and swing from, you know, good to bad very quickly. And we were, we were just hoping that the, the poor Bournemouth would turn up. And, and the good Brighton, you know, I, I wax lyrical a little bit about the Brighton defence and saying, you know, whilst we all agreed that the attack was a pile of crap, we, we were, you know, pretty confident that the defence might maintain some form of composure against the likes of Bournemouth and Cardiff. But no, I mean, it wasn't to be at the end of the day. But on, and now, we, we've, now we've got the excitement of double Brighton defenders for the uh, double game week. Wolves and Spurs, yeah, I could see plenty of uh, clean sheets and bonus points there. <laughs> Yeah, all right. Well, that sounds a good point to move on to the double game week uh, chatter. Uh, but we'll put this uh, we'll put this, this table up uh, for people on Twitter and uh, elsewhere soon, so you can just access it and have a look at it. Uh, but yeah, it's very interesting to always look at price for value, and we'll do a, a full and feature over the course of the closed season. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? All right, so we're back and we'll talk about double game with 35 now. Uh, which players providing us with a little bit of interest? I mean, there have been a few questions about it this week, and I guess it's just following the trail of destruction from the red uh, the red cars, isn't it? I mean, there's a lot of confusion. I guess the best place to start is up front, actually, because uh, Sham from uh, Two Guys One Pod asks, who's the best uh, Dina replacement for the forwards? Uh, a lot of people are looking at the likes of Vardy, if I kept them on the wild cards. Um, looking at the likes of Dini, obviously, with the suspension. I know you said you, you got, for example, he got a red card for you. So I guess he, he's kind of high on your mind and what you're going to do with him. Uh, but definitely interesting to think about. But then for a double game with 35 and maybe onwards to some extent, uh, which are the best players in each of the, uh, we'll leave goalkeeper, but each of the other three kind of tiers of position that 
are catching our eye. And I guess starting off with uh, with that Dini replacement question, uh, what are you thinking, Nick? Or what, are you, what are you looking at at the moment in terms of that? So, yeah, I've got a few decisions to make in terms of my forward line. Obviously, got Jimenez out there, and I presume that everyone's going to be owning this guy as well. So we're not going to talk too much about him as a, a Dini replacement because I think he's, he's basically essential amongst our teams. But I've also got Lacazette, and I think... To to be honest, even though he didn't play, I'm probably still going to hold him through those double game week games and not take that minus four. But Dini definitely has to go, provided he doesn't get some last minute like uh, provider, you know, his king, his uh, yes, last minute reprieve, yeah, right, last minute reprieve, and his suspension's lifted. But as you know, he likes to smash up Arsenal players, and he, he said it many times in the media. So I don't think he's going to be that lucky. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a few people. Um, out there, um, which we're going to talk about. And uh, should we start with the double game weekers? Because I think there's a couple of single game weekers as well that I want to talk about. But start, I mean, starting with the double game weekers, there's about four players out there that I, I, I have considered at least. Um, and they are Rashford, um, Fernando Lorente, Danny Ings, and uh, your man, Andre Gray. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think Andre Gray is probably the one that I would be uh, uh, really looking at and thinking, yeah, okay, uh, th- that's probably worth it. Because, uh, no, obviously, the key caveat is this is a punt. I know it's a punt. The next two games are Huddersfield away and Southampton at home. And to some extent, this is basically just target Huddersfield um, as part of the strategy. Huddersfield's defence um, is probably nothing that we really want to be talking about unless you're, you've are you got a player facing them. And I think that, you know, a few people have said, well, you know, because they're at home, they're going to be a little bit tighter. Uh, the answer is that actually they're not going to be at all. So over the last six home matches, for example, they've conceded the fifth amount of shots in the box with 47, the third amount of shots on target with 26, and also the most big chances of 18. So it's hardly... Uh, Fortress Huddersfield over there. And Andre Gray, probably a 5.9. Like, I think there's a good case for buying him in. Uh, just for this game week, I know that people are saying, well, you know, I've got to move him on eventually. Well, we've all just wildcarded. I'm guessing we've all missed out on Kane and probably not bought Salah. So we've all got a lot of money. Um, that's fine to be, you know, the first bench in game week uh, 36 when he's uh, playing Wolves. Now, it looks at his data just to make sure and that things are okay. And to be honest, there's one bit of clutching at straws that I would probably posit here, which is that he got a Hattie uh, versus Sunderland in uh, 2016. So he knows how to play crap clubs. Uh, but 2016-17, he scored nine goals with eight assists, shots in the box, one every uh, 40 minutes, which is a similar rate to Ibrahimovic and Wilson in 2017-18, five goals, five assists, which was shot every 44 minutes, uh, similar to Vardy. And uh, this year, pretty much the same, five goals, five assists. Uh, shot every 39.6 minutes, 27 shots so far. And uh, funnily enough, he and uh, Shane Long <laughs> track each other's Shlong. data sets. Yes, yeah, Long. But I think that he's probably where I'm going to go with the uh, replacement to answer Sham's question. And he's also the one that, you know, if you do have a punt there, a punt going, it might be worth it. But I mean, you mentioned Rashford earlier and a few people have said to me, uh, for example, sat on Scout said, well, you know, I'm not going to take a one-week punt anymore. I'm going to go and get Rashford. And he's obviously 37, 38. He's got great games, Huddersfield and Cardiff. I mean, who would you be advising people to look at? Because for me, I think I'm going to be hoping for a little bit of Andre Greyjoy. 
yeah, it seems like he's going to be the one for you. But um, Rashford, I mean, the problem with Rashford, one one goal in eight games um, does not really look very good for him, does it? I mean, he has really dropped off a little bit as the um, OGS honeymoon seems sort of well and truly over and, and sort of crashing out the Champions League as well. Now, I think there's probably going to be a little bit of despondency in that cap. And I think with Pogba, I think I'm happy carrying him as my only sort of United risk, because looking at those fixtures, Everton City, they're not exactly great. And I'm not even sure how um, how nailed on Rashford will be as well. Um, seems to be a little bit of rotation now with like, so Anthony Martial and um, Lukaku um, getting minutes too. So I'm, I, I'm not that keen on Rashford, to be honest, even though he does look like one of the better picks. And that's, that's my concern there. And I think Andre Gray... He is another interesting pick, but for me, I do worry about his minutes. I know Troy's going to be out, which means he probably will start, but we might see that there's a bit of a time for success even coming in, which would be quite entertaining, of course, especially if um, someone gets lucky with him. But um, yeah, I mean, Gray's only completed about 90 minutes uh, three times this season, which isn't a great um, statistic to be bringing into the double game week. Um the other people I mentioned briefly in terms of double gaming options were Lorente, um, no Kane, which is um, good for him. He is also carrying a little bit of a knock. He got injured in the Champions League, and um, I think he, I think he will be actually a really decent differential pick. But it's still, um, you know, dependent on how they do, how they perform tomorrow night, and um, how fit he is. He's definitely one to perhaps consider, and and. Finding Danny Ings, and I was speaking to Desperate so he can do so earlier. And um, I was saying basically that Ings was just a massive pain earlier in the season for me. And even though he's back to fitness, I just can't see Hassan Hultzel giving him many minutes over the double game week. He's certainly not going to be able to play um, two games in a row. And I mean, I earned him from game week 18 to 26. And bear in mind, this was his period of fitness. Um, in the games I owned him, he played 64 minutes, 61 minutes, 0 minutes, 45 minutes, 0 minutes, 73 minutes, 90, then 26 before being crocked and missing five <laughs> games. And I think um, I just can't trust Danny Ings at all, to be honest. Even, you know, it's a double game week, but he's not going to be playing double game week minutes, is he? Let's be honest. So I think I'm, I'm actually thinking about breaking rank, Tom, and bringing in a single game week player. And to me, it just, it just makes sense. I think... Um, the man I'm talking, of course, is um, Callum Wilson. Um, and they got Fulham up next. And, you know, it's a really tasty fixture. Um, you know, we saw last week that they were in brilliant form against Bryce and they could easily replicate that against um, a relegated Fulham. Um, and both um, him and sort of Ryan Fraser have been revelations this season. He's, he's got double figures for goals and assists. And uh, I, I personally think he's a really good pick for this um, for this game week. Yeah, maybe. I mean, over the last six, six matches, for example, uh, six matches played, that is, he's only actually had uh, 10 shots uh, over the course of that time. Uh, that's equal with uh, Dom Slanky, actually. And, he's, and Dom Slanky's had more chance, uh, more shots in the box than he has. Uh, to some extent, I mean, he's, he's obviously scored the three goals, had a lot of penalty box touches, missed a lot of chances as usual. He's second for big chances missed over the course of the season now. I don't know, of course. It was also very unlucky for King owners because he had more shots than anybody else against Brighton last week and came away with absolutely nothing. Um, I don't know. I guess with Wilson, it's just whose turn it is with the, with the Cherries roulette, as as always. 
like you know, some weeks people are um, driven away in Alan Johnson's beamer. Other times they're kind of stuck getting the rock and relying. And I think that maybe you might be uh, you you might be left behind, and King might be the guy who scores lots of points this week. We just don't know. It's very very difficult. I mean, I've been on the wrong side of that in, in the blank game week and and seeing how it goes. Um, over the last six weeks, it's uh, it's not been very good uh, for the double game week options, has it? Really, in terms of most of the stats, I completely see where I'm going. Why you're going for a single game week player? I mean, Rashford's doing okay. Uh, 14 shots, eight in the box over the course of the last six games. Five big chances, and uh, Everton actually have been no great shakes um, at home, which actually may be something which isn't actually too bad for people who are continuing bringing him in. I mean, over the uh, six home matches, they've continued. 53 uh, shots in the box, which is a uh, second to Fulham. Um, so n- not too bad, actually. And you, you also think maybe you know, shots on target, they're fourth. Uh, for big chances conceded, they're uh, equal third. So maybe there may be something in there for, for, for Rashford. And I do understand why people are maybe staying with him. But I mean, there's, there are a few other options, aren't there, in that kind of bracket of the single game week guy. I mean, don't forget, for example, that Solomon Rondon, who I have in my team at the moment, actually, is fifth uh, for goal attempts over the last five. And uh, he's also kind of in the top 10 for shots in the box over that time. But I don't know, there's something about the fun factor, isn't there, of having uh, somebody who's got a double game week. It's just that... You know, options are so thin on the ground um, that you're kind of unsure and you're kind of defaulting to Andre Gray. What is it if you were considering Shane Long or someone who's a bit cheaper? You know, you mentioned success earlier as well. Uh, Brandon mentioned it's not always cheating. Is it because, like, at the end of the day, there are better midfielders out there that you could probably pivot towards? Uh, yeah, so I mean, I have looked at some cheaper options, and and this does give me a little bit of flexibility in terms of my midfield. Um, so I've still got Gilfie Sigurdsson in there as well, and um, potentially if I was to um, sort of downgrade Dini to the likes of Schlong to the likes of um, Isaac Success, I'd have an extra nine point five million to to play around with in my midfield. Unfortunately, it's not enough for for Mane, but there are a few other. Uh, potential midfielders that you know that money could be spent on or I could look to invest elsewhere there's always Amino I suppose also there because Mm -hmm. I'm looking to bring him in Vardy in 36 against Huddersfield but I guess you could do that early because 35 Cardiff is 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 no bad thing moving on to midfielders I suppose and I think that a lot of people are looking at you know Gerrard bloody Gerrard of course he's ill Despite the fact that he didn't show up this game week, I think a lot of people are looking at Delefeu um, and thinking, well, if he's fit, he's probably the key man to buy in. Yeah, definitely. I think Deu Delefeu would be the main man, and he was in a lot of my sort of wild card drafts. But of course, with his injury or his, his illness, whatever it is, he uh, he um, dropped out, and he is someone that I am still considering him and. Um, there's a few other midfielders out there that have actually caught my idea. If they obviously won. The other one that sort of caught my eye, I guess, um, you know, caught probably a lot of people's eyes and um, we'll see that in the market forces um, is Lucas Mora. And, uh, and I think potentially, you know, I could do a straight swap of Gilfie to, to Mora and then have a sort of a triple Spurs midfield who would have thought of such a thing um, going into the next game week. And I think with um, with Kane's absence, Mora really has stepped up his game and proven that he, he deserves to be picked for the for the next few uh, Premier League outings, and I think he will be the the man that does 
take that slot and perhaps even play in that number nine position for the next couple of games. And you know, he's 6.9 million. He's actually um, a pretty, really, a really good value pick there. And I think um, yeah, kudos to those that took that gamble when the, when Kane got injured and thought actually Moore was going to be playing now and, and pro- against Huddersfield and, and brought him in for that hat-trick. Did you know that Moore had four shots against Huddersfield and scored three of them? Um, yeah, uh, uh, I know the world number two, for example, brought in Lucas Moura and captured him. So very, very good. Very well done to that guy. Um, but at the end of the day, he is a single game week player. You probably will not see him against Man City, which is maybe a good thing. And against the abject Brighton we just saw, that could be a great pick. And uh, the issue that I have with myself, actually, is because on the last podcast with Lee and Sam, I said to myself, I said to you guys as well, yeah, you know, I would never pick Lucas Moura, but I think that he's going to start against Huddersfield, and I think he's going to start against uh, Brighton. And he did start against Huddersfield, and it's a bit annoying, actually, because it's one of those things where you can kind of almost see it happening. Like, I actually don't think he's going to play both. Same with, with Lorente as well. I just don't know whether Moura is going to start against uh, against Man City in the third game, the trilogy against them. I mean, you seem to be of the opposite opinion, though. I, I, th- I personally, I personally think that Moura will start. I mean, we, we we have no Kane. He's going to be the man that plays in Kane's absence, and he, you know, there might be a bit of rotation with some of the players. Son's had his rest, which is um, hopefully good for Son owners like myself. Might even be that Ericsson's the man that gets a rest against that Brighton team, which is a little bit worrying for us owners. But I think that you'll see, you know, Lamella's injured as well. So there's it's not too much depth in the squad. Ali's also got a wrist injury. Um so he's he's potentially um a doubt at the moment. So I think um in, in sort of this period of fixture congestion, I think you know Moore is gonna be critical and uh Pock will have seen that hat trick and thought this guy can hasn't played too much across the season, he's fit, he's ready and he's gonna be crucial. Oh yeah, fair enough. Well, I guess the the primacy of uh fixtures does lie with the Watford guys. You've got the core um who is going to play the 90 minutes, um, but it's probably in the stats not particularly amazing. I mean, he's had eight attempts in the last uh, six. Six shots in the box, one big chance, uh, shot every 60 minutes, perhaps not. Uh, Delefei was a little bit better, and there's notes on Reddit as well that um, uh, that Gracia likes playing Delefei up top when, uh, whenever Dini's not around. Um, he's had 11 uh, shots in the last six, and he's had a shot every... Uh, every 33 minutes and maybe Gerard might be the guy that you'd be thinking of. Yeah, for certain. And there's also um, another quite, I think, quite good value pick out there in the Watford team. Um, you know, a bit of a differential pick, perhaps, you know, an, an enabler is how I would best describe him on your bench boost. But Will Hughes at 4.9 is perhaps someone to to be considering um, and looking at if you're looking to, to free up funds, you know, if you want, you're looking to perhaps upgrade um, Dini to the likes of um, Firmino or even Aguero, if you're really looking to stretch the budget, then perhaps um, Will Hughes could do a job for you in midfield. You know, he did get a goal and assist against Fulham um, just two game weeks ago. And, you know, Huddersfield at Southampton, there is potential for uh, for some attacking returns. And, you know, he has been pretty... Um, Nailed on in recent weeks. He's only missed one game in in the last um, in the last ten. He has, but I mean, he's created less chances than the likes of Ingolo Kante. Uh, he's created the same amount of chances as the likes of Dale Stevens. 
Um, so you've got to be wondering with him. I mean, there's two assists that came out of that. And I guess the fixtures are good. Um, as an enabler, I guess, at that price. Yeah, possibly. I think, yeah, I was talking about Wilson earlier as a good value picking forward in the forward line. But yeah, Fraser certainly would be one to consider if you are thinking, actually, I'm done with these double game weekers. I'm going to go for a single game weaker. The other one that I have looked at briefly as an option is uh, Diego Yotta. I mean, he's sort of a, a favourite of ours at the uh, beginning of the season. And then he went, he went very quiet and didn't really play for the or, you know, get any returns to the sort of first half of the season. But he has actually stepped it up a gear a little bit. And he's... Um, He's become sort of what uh, Wolves' top performing midfielder for the season. I was surprised as well to see him up there in terms of the value picks um, in 34th um, overall, which was a bit of a surprise considering, you know, I haven't really seen too much of him. But, you know, he has the ability to really turn it on. We saw, you know, his brilliant 19-point return when he got the hat-trick against Leicester in, in game week 23. And whilst, you know, that was that was quite sort of a you know, a rarity for him and it's unlikely to be repeated. He has managed to notch um, seven goals and seven assists across the uh, course of the season. So hopefully that answers John O'Forward's question about the knock at replacements to some extent. Sounds like we're kind of mostly about the, the double game weekers, but as Nick said, with Fraser against Fulham, who are absolutely terrible, that's worth a look. I think the key one for me, actually, this week, Nick, which I want to get your insights on, is a premium defender because I've got that money. Um, I've got Rondon to get rid of and I've got Chilwell to get rid of. Um, so I think Rondon will go for probably Gray um, at this point, May- maybe Shane Long or maybe Isaac Success, Ike Success, if I uh, if the mood takes me. But I've got two people asking about defenders, you know, uh, Richard Skeen asked about the chief defenders and uh, David Declare uh, asked about the best Watford defender, for example. And I'm looking at premium defenders as well. But I mean, in terms of the, uh, the defenders uh, for this double game week, who would you be looking at? Because I mean, it's, it's actually quite a a vital part of the jigsaw and I'm a bit annoyed that the likes of Alonso are no longer around to provide me an obvious kind of transfer in um it's a little bit vexed isn't it you've got Kiko Firmino Johnny you're not you're not really swimming in options so I think maybe it's just best to grab somebody who who's got one of the two good fixtures and go with them maybe you'd hope that Johnny would play both um but there's no real kind of attacking or creative stats behind it. It's more about kind of just having a body on the field, isn't it? And that can be important in a double game week. In terms of the sort of the cheaper defenders um, and the Watford defenders specifically, I think the, the, the one that stands out for me um, is, is Craig Kafkar. And he's, he's actually got three goals to his name. His, his underlying stats aren't particularly good, but he seems like he's a crucial part of that um, Watford defence. And Huddersfield and Southampton, you can definitely see clean sheets there. A lot of us already have uh, Ben Foster and perhaps it's, it'll be a risk to double up. But I don't know. I'm, I think um, Kafkar would be a good shout around 4.5 million. Um, the one we were sort of chatting on about in the previous pod was um, was Jan Valerie, but um, he has been spotted in training. Um, hopefully he's ready. He, I think he's a hold rather than a buy. And maybe if you were looking at Southampton defenders, especially enablers, um, Jan Bednarak um, would be a really good pick. He's, he's very good value of anything he's 4.1 at the moment so he is one that i'd perhaps recommend to people he's not even 4.1 he's he's 4.0 at the moment so he's he's one that i would um recommend to to people to consider um when they're looking to free up cash um for elsewhere in terms of the premium defenders though tom 
There's Jan Vertonghen. Oh, Good old Jan. You've got to own him at least. Time, every time. You, know, every, you have to have him for at least, it's almost like a tradition that at least one of us owns him for a little bit during the season, just for a few game weeks. So we can have some fun with Jan and uh, get a couple of clean sheets. Um, you know, he normally hits the crossbar when we own him or the post as well, doesn't he? Just to add a little bit of excitement into our <laughs> lives, but, but never scores. No, he doesn't. Um, yeah, all right. Uh, 5.9. You got a decent chance of some sort of clean sheets, and the last few games for Spurs are okay. Um, a couple of home games as well. The home game with Brighton in the thirty-five. If he, if he plays that, you assume that's probably a clean sheet given what we've seen this uh, this last couple of days. You got the home game in thirty-six against West Ham, another team on the beach, and thirty-eight a home game against Everton. So you might be thinking, well, that's six, six, six. That's eighteen points, maybe. But it's one of those transfers that you can't be too excited about. It feels like the ideal Nick pick uh, of a Tongan, doesn't it? Because at the end of the day, you can't get excited about it, but it's probably going to get points. But I think maybe Laporte is the one that I'm perhaps most all about. They've got Burnley away, um, Leicester at home and, and uh, Brighton away the last three game weeks. And uh, I just think that he's like looking at, for example, Vertonghen versus uh, Laporte. He's got a higher XG. And he's also got a better statistics across the board in terms of bonus. So you're probably thinking it's probably going to be Laporte, isn't it? I think he just, for a lot of people, is going to be a, a hygiene factor. And I guess over those last three, the Man City's defence is still probably the best defence um, wherever they're playing. I think that's got to be something that which is uh, high in the minds of people looking to buy a defender in that. Yeah, Man City would be highly owned and worth covering. Yeah, I mean, the good thing about Laporte, and he is in my team, is that I, I don't tend to worry about him missing out on the game. And he has been, you know, absolutely critical and in the heart of that Manchester City defence. And he, he's the only one that can play um, the only left-footed central defender that Manchester City have. And that, that seems to be very much to his benefit, as uh, Pep always wants to play a left-footed um, central defender in, in his team and uh, yeah, he, I mean he has had a brilliant season, like you said uh, in the pod we were actually surprised to see that he, he started the season at 5.5 and uh, and yeah, alongside Van Dyke, I think he's been the best central defender um, in the Premier League this season I mean, they've only conceded 129 shots over the course of the season, which is almost 40 less than Liverpool. It was like the Port's worth having, those last three game weeks are okay, like He's a, he's a set and forget. Yeah, they're, they're just going to see you out. There's no boom and bust. They're just like a solid six points, uh, which is probably what you're looking for, I suppose. All right, let's take a break then. Move on to the features. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back and we're going to do our feature section now. Uh, so uh, we catch up with our three regular features, the Market Forces, Nick Pick and the All England Squad. The first thing this week, as always, is the Market Forces. Nick, you're the man across the numbers. What are you seeing this week? So, yeah, um, one of the people that we talked about earlier is leading the Market Forces in terms of transfers in, and that's, that's Lucas Moura. Uh, we have uh, 79,000 transfers in at the time of recording, nearly 80,000. And, you know, the Hatching Man, I guess, um, from, in my opinion, has really stepped up in, in Kane's shadow and is going to be the key beneficiary there of um, a new slot in the team. Um, and I think, yeah, personally, he, he slots really nicely into that um, midfield price bracket, mid-price midfield at 6.7 million and I think he's he's definitely one that was overlooked and uh, so a lot of people now considering him for Spurs uh, very tasty fixtures um, well 
one tasty fixture at least in the double of, of Brighton at home we all know now how object they actually are and Manchester City away but um, otherwise it's it's all about the forwards actually Tom and um, the most uh, transferred out player at the moment is, is actually Vardy and I suppose it's, it's not really too much of a surprise he, he blanked a lot of people like yourself are holding on to him and then decided to finally get rid and um, he's only got a single game week as well even though he could punish people considering they've got um, West Ham away but after that they have some really tough fixtures to close the season off Arsenal at home Manchester City away and Chelsea at home so a lot of people looking at Vardy and thinking you know that's it they're done with him done with Ratface for the end of the season and, and getting rid and um, the two other forwards being sold are Kane, obviously, uh, 41,000 transfers out. He was top of the market forces when we recorded a lot of people breaking that Austin rule um, last game week. But yeah, people were heavily selling. And then and Troy Deeney. And what's interesting actually about Troy Deeney is uh, currently he's actually had more transfers in this game week than transfers out. So people breaking <laughs> the Austin rule again, 40,728 managers have transferred him in. But uh, 40,192 at the time of recording have transferred him out. So a lot of people perhaps breaking the Austin rule there as well because Watford have the, uh, the late fixture, but now we're uh, hastily getting him out of the team considering he's now suspended yeah no, i'm not too too surprised people have already transferred them out i'm guessing if it was you and you you weren't caring too much <laughs> about that i guess you'd be uh you'd be taking him out straight away yeah i can understand that and obviously kane is uh yeah suddenly people have got loads of money to play play with which is why we're like sort of you know um wilson uh, Jimenez bought in by 53,000 and Aguero bought in by almost 50,000 uh, as you've mentioned yeah, yeah yeah for sure and I think it's, Wilson's very interesting because it obviously I'm not the only person that thought you know what I'm I'm fed up with these double game weeks you know obviously everyone got excited about a Brighton double game week which just blew up in their face and previous game weeks we've been punished by the likes of Leroy Sane in a double game week and people were perhaps thinking you know they're done with these doubles and and looking at the single game week players the likes of Bournemouth that could potentially break the mould um you know the likes of Liverpool but yeah um Aguero um heavily being transferred in um, are you are you concerned about not owning Aguero um, for the next uh, couple of fixtures, Tom? I'm always concerned about not owning Aguero, um, but I guess it's because it's Tottenham at home and what and Man United the way is it's not that bad if you've got Sterling. I mean, uh, obviously, yeah, uh, one player can cover another. It's probably a bit of a fallacy. Um, but at the end of the day, it, it works okay against uh, against Crystal Palace. It has worked okay in the past. Do I want Aguero? Well, I think that a lot comes down to do I want to sell Vardy? West Ham are on the beach that they play very well against Man United, to be fair. But in this kind of game, Jamie Vardy away against them, where they're going to get some space because the home team's going to have the impetus on them to attack. I'm sure Pellegrini's not going to be naive enough, is he, to play a high line against Jamie Vardy? Uh, but at the end of the day, at 9.2, if I can save minus four, I think that's probably worth keeping hold of him. Um, I can probably see why people, for example, are moving him on to Jimenez. Yeah, I can get that. Why well, moving on to Wilson? Yeah, I can get that. But selling Vardy against West Ham kind of writes itself, doesn't it? In the same way that holding on to Pogba against West Ham when everyone else had sold, wrote it itself as well. Pogba obviously got very lucky with, two, with the two penalties, but there you go. I mean, I think that Vardy could definitely hurt people. Yeah, definitely. I agree. I agree with you um, on, on Vardy. I think there's a high risk and West Ham aren't particularly strong defensively either. And it's worth mentioning as well, a couple other forwards, uh, 
quickly that are being bought in. My man Lacazette's actually um, appearing on the market forces, which is a surprise considering he didn't play, but people still perhaps considering him as a option for Arsenal's quite tasty double game week against Crystal Palace and uh, Wolves. And then there's, of course, Pierre-Emerick um, Aubameyang, who we haven't talked about actually on the pod yet, but he um, he's back in the team. And um, at 10.9, um, he could really have a really strong um, double game week. And if you own him, he's, he's potentially a, a really decent uh, captaincy pick. And, you know, it's actually a um, surprise, really. He's actually scored 18 goals and, and got seven assists to his name. So he's, had a, he's actually had a pretty decent um, season in terms of returns and could, and could nick the golden boot, which actually kind of, you know, is saying something about this season at all. And, you know, how it's been really hard um, FPL season to call in terms of the assets when there's so many players that are sort of on the same amount of goals and there's no one that sort of hit that 29 or 30 goal margin as we saw last season. Instead, everyone's around... 18 or 19 or 20 goals at the moment, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. I, th- I think with um, Alba and Laka, uh, the key is to see what happens in an Napoli game because they could be a very good captain choice. We're very good at home. And obviously, we're at home against Crystal Palace, uh, the first of that double game week. That is just, you know, two days or three days after the game against Napoli. So, Lord only knows he's going to play. It's just very much down to um, who Emery starts in that particular matchup. But yeah, uh, interesting. I, I can't remember ever seeing a single game week a second for transfers in um, ahead of a double game week uh, as Wilson is at the moment. I think it maybe it's just due to um, 15 points last week. Maybe it's due to having Fulham next. But yeah, no, uh, definitely the case that uh, this double game week has been underwhelming for many people and um, planning for it seems to have gone out of the window. Right, uh, let's move on to the Nick Picker. I mean, you have you didn't quite get to four in a row. Uh, you got your uh, you got your three, uh, but last week you chose Trippier for your uh, fairly straightforward, but it was going to score points to bring in. Um, didn't do didn't do anything because I was on the pitch. Uh, Carl Walker Peters instead uh, hoovered up the points. Uh, but who are you looking at this week, Nick, for your Nick picks? It's quite a difficult one, isn't it? Because there's quite a few players who have actually adverse pictures who would fit into this. So, you know, you're likes with Laporte, or you're likes with Vertonghen. Uh, so where have you gone? So I've decided to um, throw another curveball, um, seeing as the theme is talking about single game week as in a double game week. And I've, I've um, you know, um, perhaps a little bit tongue-in-cheek, perhaps, um, you know, hedging my bets a little bit. But I've, I've chosen Eden Hazard as my, my nitpick this week. And, uh, you know, they've got Burnley at home. It's a single game week, but you don't get much of a better single game week than Burnley at home. And Hazard is playing out of his skin right now. He could have easily actually had a brace against Liverpool and was very unlucky with the two chances, one of which hit the post. And uh, with Chelsea, everything runs through Eden. And against a Burnley team, who've actually conceded more shots than any other team with 563. I'm confident that um, Hazard can run rings around that defence. I mean, he's third with goal attempts, phase six, second chance created for 84, and there's been basically just single-handedly being uh, keeping Chelsea in the reckoning for that Champions League um, slot, which is, you know, considering how terrible the rest of the Chelsea attack has been, you know, likes of Dad, Bod and Morata, is, is a real statement, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, Burnley have not um, been too good over the course of the season, as you mentioned earlier, with defensive stats. They have Tyson's up. Um, over the last six, so for example, for shots conceded in the box over the last six, they're not doing too badly now. Whereas earlier on in the season, they were high up there in terms of that metric. Um, the FPL stag, I'd be very happy to hear you backing Hazard. He hit the post when he was for on goal. 
his from goal in other time as well. He could easily have returned a lot of points. So I understand that. I can see that. Um, in terms of Chelsea, he's the only guy you want, isn't he? Because you don't want dad boys, you don't want anybody else. All right, and the, the final update this week is the All England team. So this week, the All England team got very, very lucky, Nick, actually. Uh, they captain Dunk for a two-pointer. However, uh, and they only got uh, 25 points. However, um, the fact is that Ali and Trippier didn't play. So off the bench come Nathan Redmond for oh, wow. 15 points brought in this week. Uh <laughs> yeah, three bonus and two goals. And also uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold uh, for eight points. So it is a 23-point bench something. <laughs> yeah, 23 points bench buggery for them, I suppose we should say. Uh, which takes them up to 48 points, which is kind of okay. Looks like the average is around 49, so not too far off. It's not great, um, but I think it's one of those weeks where you play the wild card as everybody else and it's not quite worked out for them. Uh, but next week is looking quite interesting. Um, we've watched, we've actually got the triple captain and the bench boost to play. Probably going to play the bench boost next week and then uh, hope for the best. But it could be a triple captain. It could be a triple captain on Sterling. Who knows? Anyway, probably the only issue is Troy Deeney has been sent off, so they're going to have to figure out um, who to bring in. There may be Andre Greyjoy for them as well. All right, let's take a break there and move on to the Q&A. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back and it's time to catch up with the Who Got the Assist Mini League. And yeah, I was saying last week how uh, Mark Sinclair sort of had um, you know, a really big lead and he looked like he was going to steal it. But he's actually um, he's tightened up a fair bit um, as Mark didn't have the best of weeks. Um, having played his wild card, he, he got 46 points. So he, he's been a little bit um, unlucky, actually, because, um, well, he got 46 points and um, Kalasnash didn't play, but... Doherty's coming off the bench for zero points and uh, Virgil van Dijk's going to be staying on the bench with that 12-pointer, so that's going to be particularly painful. Um, you know, he had Duff and, Duffy and Ryan and Murray loaded up on those Brighton players, didn't work out for him, but he did actually um, take a little bit of a punt on Camarasa, um, so he'll be at least pleased that he picked up an assist, seven points for Camarasa in total tonight. But yeah, not, not, not the best week um, for Mark, unfortunately, but He's now got Paul Jones um, right on his tail. Uh, Paul had a great week, actually. Um, 84 points. He didn't wildcard. Um, you know, so the wildcarders have been punished a little bit. And he actually went into this game with um, double Bournemouth. Um, you know, and uh, Brooks, Brooks and uh, Wilson getting him 27 oh. points combining together. And he's also got the triple Liverpool as well. So, still, yeah. So, he's still got his bench boost, um, could potentially be using that. But yeah, um, triple Liverpool, double Bournemouth, single game teams, but really uh, played to his benefits uh, this particular game week. Um, you know, the likes of Pogba still in his team as well. So, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty tight now at the top. You know, a few other players still still up there in the reckoning as well. Liam Berry um, got 45 points on his wild card. Um, Salvo Barra as well got 45. And uh, and uh, Guy Guy, um, Vinaldum Leviosa is back in the reckoning after 70-point wild card. Um, Brought in Lucas Moura, did very well for him. Also had the likes of Trent Alexander-Arnold for an eight-pointer. And uh, your your man, Kevin De Bruyne, um, picking him up 11 points. And Captain Mo for 16. Yeah, fair enough. And the Lucas Moura for Guy Guy has really done the business. 21 points from one player. 
uh, absolutely ridiculous. And I, I mentioned earlier that number two in the world also captioned him, uh, which is pretty crazy. Uh, but only guy uh, had that, and that's definitely fueled his rise up to the top five again. So welcome back. And uh, yeah, it should be interesting to see how it ends. But it does look like it's between um, those top five things to go. All right, um, a few things to mention. The first thing is that we're going to be uh, doing uh, question time this week on Fantasy Football Scout. Um, definitely have a look, check that out. I think we're we kind of giving a couple of questions, aren't we, Nick? And we kind of uh, fill out um, our answers to that um, as per the FPL uh, panel. So yeah, that should be quite good. And also, um, thanks for the birthday wishes. Um, I was firstly on uh, last weekend and I was uh, overawed by people who are very, very nice to me. And uh, Nick came out for my birthday kindly on the, on, sat- on Saturday and it was quite, quite good fun, wasn't it? Yeah, it was good, yeah. And I predicted a Mendes Langol as well, which just... <laughs> Which was a pretty terrible um, prediction. Yeah, we have, no, we have nothing else to talk about this week, these days, apart from FPL, though. <laughs> so, yeah, just, just yeah, I think the rest of our friends are like, what the hell are they talking about? It's just kind of talking code now. Oh, yeah, BBCT? Oh, I don't know. Right, okay. Uh, let's move yeah, on. we're talking about our LCs again, aren't we? <laughs> Not TAs. Confuse the hell out of people. Yeah, I'm not surprised. All right, let's move on to questions then. And uh, the first question this week is from Neil Goops Gupta. He asks, this week, is a minus eight worth doing? And he was thinking, well, okay, I can get 11 double game weekers out on a minus eight. Is that worth it? Yeah, I mean, it depends really who you're bringing in and who you're considering. And if you really think that your current players aren't going to do a good enough job. I mean, if you've got the likes of Didi and Knockout in your team and they're definitely not going to play, then by all means, definitely take that hit. And for me, I mean, I just wildcarded. It, it does feel a bit rubbish that I'm potentially going to be doing a, a minus four um, this game week um, after wildcarding. But I think it's a necessity. And, you know, I obviously want to score as much as possible on my bench, Bruce, brings brings me to take that hit. And I can certainly understand the, the case as well for a minus eight. If you've got some real dross on your bench that's not going to play and you're going to be bench boosting, then then take that extra hit um, and, and bring in players that are likely to play both games. And then, it because, as you've said before, it becomes a, a minus two rather than a minus four when you're bringing in a player that's definitely going to play against a player who's definitely not going to play. Yeah, well, it's, it comes to a zero, doesn't it? Because you've got zero, two, you've got two games. games. As long as they, isn't they're not a defender that concedes more than two goals <laughs> yeah. or four goals. Yeah, if you're buying Shane Duffy, I, I wouldn't advise that. But you know, I can be together. I think that's probably a good thing. Um, interesting kind of sides a tangent there, though, Nick. I mean, you're, you're looking at play, playing your bench boost and probably going to have some subpar players. You've still got your TC intact. So you're not thinking of just sacking that off this week altogether and just playing your TC? Yeah, potentially. But then what am I going to be doing with my bench boost? I've got to use that at some point. I like the idea of, you know, having the... I was going to say having Foster as well on the bench, but, you know, Matt Ryan's probably going to get one point, isn't he? So, I mean, you know, there is a case. I've also got Robertson, Cardiff away. Valerie, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm not really making much of a point here, I don't think, but I, I still think I'm going to stick with my original strategy here and, and play the bench boost. I mean, it could potentially triple captain one of my players, but there's no, no real standout triple captain option, is there either? No, that's probably the key, isn't it? There isn't really one. But it may, it, I, I just I don't know. Like I can, I can see why people are thinking, well, I'm going to triple captain Jimenez or something like that and just play the bench boost 
next week because I mean you've still got a lot of single uh, game week teams next week with very good fixtures. Uh, for example, Spurs have got West Ham, uh, Liverpool obviously have Huddersfield, um, and Man City are uh, away at Burnley. There is definitely some mileage in in swapping them over, isn't there? Yeah, potentially. I think um, for me, I feel, I feel like I don't know. It requires too much active thinking to, to consider swapping them over at this moment in time. I'm going to stick to my original plan. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, definitely a bench boost for me. Uh, but I do think the minus eight, because of the Dini sending off and because a few people are going to be restructuring, may be worth it. Uh, maybe may become the minus four this week if you assume that everybody's taking minus eight. And if you've got the case where you're removing a Spironi uh, for a goalkeeper who's going to play the two games, it feels a bit like a no-brainer to me. Just because, as you, as we mentioned earlier, I think it's just you, know, you just end up equal eventually there. Okay, um, the next one's a bit of a compound question, Nick. It's uh, one of uh, Mane, Son or Salating else. Uh, so FPL Dominus asked Mane or Son for the run-in, uh, desperately seeking dues, as we mentioned before. Asks if Mane or Salah is best. Um, obviously, they've got Kyle away this week. Um, Shashank is wondering if Salah is now essential after everything. And uh, Keetan Chopra is wondering whether Hazard is still in with a shout. So I guess it's kind of that single game week slash son question uh, coming there. And I guess if you had to make a choice between those four, so Mane, Son, Salah and Hazard, what would you be saying for the rest of the season? Well, I think for this this week and for the double game week, because I, I mean, I still definitely say that Son would be my preferred pick out of those those guys. He, he's certainly the cheapest of the the four as well, and uh, you know, with Kane out, that risk of rotation with Son is is definitely reduced. I think he's going to be pretty essential to to Spurs um, for their you know final fixtures in the season. And, um, but I still think there is you know with Liverpool. They do have, you know, fantastic um, single game week fixture, and so does Hazard. So, you know, there is there is definitely, and I think it makes a lot of sense um, for managers to have those types of guys in your team as well. If you can, if you can fit as many of them in as possible, then then by all means go for it. But um, I think um, Son is probably the one that I would still say would be the, the standout. It's a very difficult double game week for them in some ways because, I mean, obviously Man City got a really difficult one. That is uh, Tottenham and Man United. Uh, if you said took Liverpool out, what would be the difficult double game week for this team? And I guess that would probably be it. Uh, Spurs have got Man City and they've got Brighton. I guess it's all on the Brighton game for Son. And if he doesn't really play in that because Lorente starts, uh, then you've got a bit of an issue. But no, who knows? I mean, it, it very much does hinge on the uh, the Champions League performance, I suppose, to some extent. Uh, but Liverpool, as you mentioned, they've got a fantastic Final Four. Um, Huddersfield away in 35. Uh, sorry, Cardiff away in 35. Huddersfield at home in 36. Uh, they'll be hoping Benitez does them a favour against Newcastle in 37. And Wolves at home in 38. And Wolves, uh, well, Wolves are pretty good against the uh, top tier teams. So you may be worried about that. If it comes down to the final wire, and it's worth keeping an eye on, but yeah, I probably got to be thinking sort of at the start of the pod that Marne provides the best value of all of those options. So maybe he's one to keep an eye on, especially when the uh, thirty-five bleeds into thirty-six. If you're not too sure about Son, like it really depends on on the Champions League to some extent too. 
Yeah, definitely. I, I agree with you there. I think um, Liverpool coverage will be essential. And, and come game week 36, you're going to definitely want Liverpool players. And, you know, they've got some really nice fixtures. And, and those guys are also going to play. I mean, I know they're still in the Champions League, but I can't see um, a situation as we have seen before where Klopp brings out all the youngsters. You see the likes of Curtis Jones getting minutes over Mo Salah. It's, it's just not going to happen, is it, with um, this this uh, title race going right down to the wire this season. No, definitely not. All right, the next question is Brighton don't rock. Uh, so FPL Geek says he's transferring out a dunk at least this week. So he's not sure about Duffy. I mean, after what we've just seen, Nick, is it worth getting rid of them altogether? I mean, obviously we know it depends on yeah, the other moves you're making, the up- upgrades you're making. But in a vacuum, would you be deserting the Brighton players right now? I don't know. I think at the end of the day, if you can afford the transfer, then do it. But it's mostly like it's most likely going to be involving a hit. And do you really want to be taking the minus for um, to bring in a defender of a similar price? You know, I've always said, oh, you know, you can take hits in double game weeks or take hits if you're going to bring in a premium midfielder that you know is going to smash it. But if you're talking about hits to transfer out Dunk or Duffy for the likes of Craig Cathcart or Ian Bednarak, I don't think that's something that I would personally be, um, you know, condoning. Yeah, no, definitely not. I think it's it's one of those with Bryson, though, that uh, over the last six away matches, their last their away matches in uh, game week 35 as well, They've not been very good, um, so they're third in terms of uh, shots in the box conceded. And uh, also, in the top 10, for big chances conceded. So you've got to be worried about them. And based on what, what we've seen in the last home games, maybe you know the pressure of being at home may get to them. But you've got to be wondering, well, is that worth it? Well, if you've got transfers in the vacuum to make, you've got nothing better to do. You're not replacing a Dini, you know, you're not replacing a single game week or a double game week player, perhaps. Um, then I think that replacing a Bryson player would be prudent. I don't know whether it's worth getting rid of them all together, to be honest. Uh, because I'm guessing you've got better things to do, but in the vacuum, yeah, I'd get rid of them straight. I'd get rid of them now. Um, but as we said, we've probably got better things to do for that. And linked to that, I suppose, is uh, falling on my Arsenal. So FPL Classico, welcome back. Um, asks about Arsenal. Says he's bringing in uh, Kohler and Lacquer uh, for Vardy and Duffy. Uh, what's the best he can hope for, for in terms of point returns? And uh, Morsey uh, says he's uh, looking to sell uh, Lacquer for Firmino. Um, so should he be getting rid of his Arsenal assets? And, you know, we both own Kohler. You own Lacquer. I've been put off owning Lacquer over the course of this week. And obviously it does rely a little bit on Napoli. But what are your views on Arsenal? I've said before, and I said it on the other pod, that I think Arsenal have some really nice fixtures, and they've probably, as I've said as well, that they've actually got the best double game week of all the sort of the top six sides. You know, Crystal Palace and Wolves. Crystal Palace at home is a really nice fixture, and then Wolves away. Um, you know, it's a tougher fixture, but certainly, um, you know, not as tough as what Manchester City or Spurs have in their secondary fixture or Manchester United. So, um, you know, they. They've got some really good fixtures. Unfortunately, Lacazette and Kohler didn't play, but maybe they've had their rest. You know, is you know, I was talking about Lacazette never, you know, barely being rotated at all. Um, lo and behold, he gets rotated. But you know, he's still, I still think he's a decent pick, and I hope he, hopefully, does a drop for me. He's got thirteen goals and eleven assists across the course of the season. Of course, Unai's got one eye on that Europa League trophy that he loves so much, but he's still gonna 
want to play his best team um, in the league as often as possible. And I think that Lacazette will um, will get plenty of minutes over this double game week, even if you don't see him play all 180. Um, Kolasinac as well is a bit of a disappointment that he didn't play. Um, I don't know for sure what that means, if, if it was just a one-off. Um, he has been a little bit prone to the occasional bit of rotation. He only played the 45 minutes against Everton. But, um, you know, I still think, you know, I'm not going to personally waste a transfer on him. I don't know. We've talked a bit about the other options around that price bracket in defence and there's not too many that particularly stand out for me personally. I think um, he's probably just a hold. I wouldn't recommend that you purchase him at this moment in time, but he's probably a hold for me. Yeah, I get that. It's well, Glasgow's point. I'm not sure I'd be buying Klasnach, but as you said, where are the other options at this point? I guess if you know, with, with Lacky, you can I know, go go out and buy uh, somebody like Andre Gray, which I'm not too sure about, or go out and buy a Wilson or whatever. Probably get Laporte if you can, um, something along those lines. I mean, over the course of the season, uh, you mentioned Lacazette and uh, and Aubameyang. When Aubameyang still w- uh, winning the steeplechase. Uh, for big chances missed, my favourite metric. So 20 big chances missed this season. It was quite depressing, actually. Uh, three more than Jesus and Callum Wilson. So much of it is down to the Thursday night game against Napoli. Um, whoever starts in that, whoever plays in that, we can probably guess that it's going to be uh, Lacazette starting and an Alba on the bench. I mean, that that'll be a home game for us. We're OK at home. We can't play away unless somebody someone gets sent off for whacking one of our players over the face. Um, I don't know. Maybe Aubameyang would be a, an ultra differential for the game week ahead because people won't have the money, perhaps, and won't be looking at, uh, won't have money, perhaps, won't be looking at him so much because um, he didn't play two weeks ago and probably wouldn't have factored him into their thinking. But yeah, it's it's not looking that good for Arsenal. If anything, like you know, Jay Leno is probably the the one guy who's nailed on, isn't he? So. I mean, do you really want that? I don't know about that. I, I just don't know whether it's worth doing. And who knows, even he could play uh, Leno into the back in his uh, quest for UEL glory on Thursday. Yeah, who knows what's going to happen? Maybe even a punt on Mustafi in defence. <laughs> you know, no. we're really, really stretching, uh, really stretching here, aren't we? I know you're, oh. you're not a fan of Mustafi, so are you? Absolute liability, that guy. Absolute liability. Well, I mean, Dan midfield is another potential option. I just don't know about any of this. I mean, it's, it's all very much down to the UEL and how that works out. Final question this week, which uh, segues us on very nicely to transfers and captains, is uh, Jeb Kalud, who asks us, where's the armband going this week, guys? I'm not too sure. And, um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one, isn't it? You've got the likes of Man City with, as I said earlier, a very difficult double game week. Um, you've got the likes of Arsenal with the rotation threat. You've got um, the likes of uh, City as well with the rotation threat. A hard, one hard game, one OK game. Where are you looking at placing it this week, Nick? So at the moment, I've got it on Son, um, mainly because he was my captain last week and I haven't changed it at all. I've just kind of like left it there, sitting on him. And I might just keep, him, keep it on him. Um, you know, I've, I've seen this season, actually, when I've, 
tried to go for differential captains. It's really not worked out for me. I mean, I'm talking about sort of Son, Sigurdsson, Sane and Pogba. So when I captained Son, it was a two-pointer. Sigurdsson was a zero-pointer. Sane was a two-pointer. Pogba was a minus one or a minus two. It's it pretty, uh, pretty damn terrible this season that it's been in terms of my captain picks. But it does look like it's going to be another differential this week. And uh, yeah, I might just want to see what happens, to be honest. Uh, for me, I think it's probably going to be uh, probably Jimenez, and I think that um, that was burnished by the fact that um, Dini got injured. Because I was quite considering Dini actually, because I thought he was going to play the two games: Huddersfield, Southampton. Um, do I believe Gray's going to do that? No, so that's more of a hold. Um, Jimenez has got eight goals and six assists and six in home matches this season. Uh, he's got two coming up: Brighton, who look absolutely terrible. Uh, so in some ways, it's the same as following Huddersfield or following Fulham around. And, you know, he's got another home match against Arsenal and uh, Wolves are specialists at taking apart teams like that on the counter-attack. Um, so it feels to me like uh, Jimenez is going to be the guy. I'm guessing that's going to perhaps be the uh, perhaps be the template guy as well. And I guess that, you know, it's going to be him versus the likes of Sterling, Conaguero, all in the mix, but you know, I, I so I think maybe it's going to be him. Um, I mean, he could easily score a goal and assist, I think, in both games. Um, that'll be pretty damn decent on double game week when the bench boost isn't that fantastic. I mean, my bench boost is looking like, um, let's move on to transfers. That is, um, my bench boost is looking like it's going to comprise of uh, Mane and Robbo, uh, Cardiff away, uh, plus uh, Vardy, uh, West Ham away, um, Leno as well as the, as the other bench guy, so that's, that's pretty decent. Um, I think I'm going to be moving out Rondon and Chilwell for obvious reasons. Uh, Rondon to probably Gray, just for the punt. Maybe success if uh, Nick sways me over the course of the week. And um, uh, I, I guess I'm going to get Laporte in, I think, at the back. Because you know, Burnley, Leicester and uh, Brighton are decent decent games for Man City, 36-38. So I'm hoping for you know four points from the double game week plus 6-6-6. Six, six, six. So... What about you, Nick? What are the transfers you're looking to make? So, yeah, it's probably going to be a hit for me at the moment. I'm thinking uh, one move that definitely is going to happen is Dini's going to be leaving my team. Though, um, in terms of who I bring in at the moment, it seems like the single game weaker Callum Wilson is the uh, preferred option, um, which is an interesting one, of course. Um, the other person that I was originally planning on removing and was a bit of a sort of failed one-week punt, perhaps, is, is Gilfie Sigurdsson. Um, and uh, that I have a sort of budget of 7.7 million, and um, I'm heavily considering um, Lucas Mora, um, and then having a sort of triple Spurs, even with a captain, or maybe that's a bit aggressive in terms of um, Spurs uh, coverage. But he's one I'm certainly looking at. Though I'm also um, looking at ways of bringing in Sadio Mane and how I can budget for that. Uh, but no, then that sort of puts me in a bit of an awkward fix with Dini because it potentially requires um, hits to be taken as well, um, not just to hit a, a minus eight. So it's something I'm considering, but perhaps um, I don't know if a man in a single game week is, re- is really worth a, a minus eight. But I've also sort of got to think about my sort of Liverpool coverage for Huddersfield and how I'm bringing in um, Salah and Mane. So maybe I might just have to forego Liverpool coverage for that Cardiff game and just focus on the double game weekers. Ooh, but you saw what happened this week with Chelsea. Uh, but you know you had a uh, Salah at forty 
35% ownership. You had Mane at 33. Did something and suddenly your rank got uh, got tanked, I suppose. And I guess, you no, know, versus Cardiff, you wouldn't put it past any of them to do something. Yeah, there's always going to be some form of worry. And unfortunately, uh, I did think about having Manny in my um, my uh, wildcard team and I, ch- I changed my mind in terms of this, this strategy. Uh, the, the Manny and Redmond team would have perhaps done a lot better, but never mind, you know, <laughs> yeah, these things are Definitely. But I mean, um, who would have been sitting here two weeks ago saying, yeah, Nathan Redmond is a, is a keystone in my wildcard team. It's just Captain Hindsight, isn't it? I mean, people come out and say, oh, yeah, no, I knew that was going to happen. Or, yeah, lol, where people do said this, that, or the other. But the fact is that uh, at the start of the game week, without knowing the results, you can only go on what's in front of you. Not only Mane for the Chelsea game. Yeah, I mean, we were saying that Chelsea's defence is looking very good. So, you know, that, that made sense. Going with Ericsson and Son against Huddersfield, that made sense as well. Like, who would know? It was going to be a, a Lucas Moura to come out with the goods. Okay, let's move on uh, to the end then. Uh, so there's a theme every week. And uh, last week it was Family Guy on the pub with FPL family and Sam. Uh, Lee obviously did call the Lucas Moura thing we've been speaking about. Got 21 points for his uh, uh, for his good work. Um, after me dismissing him, he uh, totally ignored me. It was probably a good thing. Uh, but John O'Forward um, was the first man in with, uh, with Family Guy. Uh, there's a theme this week that's very, very subtle. Yep, there's a theme, and um, just to say who we are, of course, we are Who Got The Assist. You can find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPO. And if you want to join our league, the league code is 516-441. And, uh, yeah, we're going to be back on uh, YouTube in Game Week 35 due to the quick turnaround to react to the double game week and how our bench boost has gone. Yeah, we'll, we'll put that up and we'll uh, provide some links to our uh, YouTube channel as well so you can keep up to date. Uh, but for now, we hope this assists you and we'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Sports Social Podcast Network.